just got out of control. It was just like mainlining fucking crack, dude. You're coming up on such a big high of like, wow, that we just said to everyone we would film this thing and we did and it's above and beyond and now. You've got to manage expectations and you've got to manage your own emotions because you can just get wise. They sold us the dream. They did a great job, man. We thought this is the dream, but then they were doing it by sharing none of the money. Yeah. And like there's, you know, there's, because there's very few like working actors that only do acting and survive on that as a job. So I was hungry to to create stuff. And then, you know, you, and then you start realizing that, fuck, I would have done that. And I don't have any formal training, but I have an instinct. And then and I started to work with Rod and, and his other mates and go, these guys are great. Like we, we, we vibe and we just started doing from a necessity and like need to create. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing or whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. Isn't it crazy how like 10, 15 years, or like five, 10 years ago even, they thought AI is going to like replace all like the, the manual labor jobs and it's fine. The creatives won't be effective when the creatives are being affected first and yeah, most. Yeah. It's fucking scary, man. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, it, it's there and it's about, like the, the laws and people, we have to really, the laws and everything are just not keeping up. And that's, that's also being exploited by billion dollar companies, of course, yeah. entertainment companies yeah. that, that's being exploited by them that, you know, they know how to use it. So I, I completely understand why they're, why they're striking. And it's like, you, you've got to, because if they don't really take a stand now and It'll people's, be too late, right? it will be too late and people's likeness will be completely taken away. It's like, you, and their aim is what they want is for someone to sit down and say, Hey, I want a Western movie. Um, with DiCaprio and Helen Mirren and I want this to happen and it'll generate it for you. I'd hate that, man. I would hate it too. I think there's like going to be a very small niche, but that's what they believe and that's they they want that option and they're willing to like send people bankrupt to try and do it. Because I was going to ask you, because like I look, I don't like any of it, but mm. like I guess if, and I'm, and I'm talking not as an actor anymore, I'm talking like as a consumer of, of the content. If I was watching a film and like the background extras were like AI generated, like that's mm. one thing, but. Is the view to do like they don't even need actors anymore? They've got the scans; they can do the whole thing without. Yeah, where does it stop? I mean, it would be. Who, it would wants, be. who wants to watch like it's not <clears> even <throat> a human. And, and even then, it would be the one 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 point one percent that maybe gets to keep doing it. Like yeah. you know, you'd be you'd have like maybe one hundred and fifty actors that that you know still working. So it would be just. I don't think that's what people want in entertainment, and I don't think that's. When I just feel like it's impossible to connect to someone where you know that that's not authentic. Mm. It's impossible to connect to their journey when it's not fully there. But saying that, people do like video games and The Last of Us and those those games. People have connected to them, but you've also got an actor voicing that, mm. you know, and you've also got real stuff happening behind it. So it's like I think we're just it's an extreme reaction, and I think it just needs to come back a bit, and then we'll find it. But. But like even like, and this is a bit actory speak for the people who aren't actors, which probably yeah. most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like as as we both know, like the magic is is in the moment. It's in it's in the behavior. It's not it's it's not in it's. Well, the script is obviously what what drives everything is really important. But it's like no one can just dictate that in advance and feel like they're going to generate the same sort of emotional yeah. journey, right? But watch them fucking try. Watch them fucking like. I I think that too. But watch them fucking watch them completely just go for it, and it's going to be crazy. But it, it's interesting because there's now a huge industry revolt against this and everybody's going, hang on a minute. Let's remember we've, we can now make stuff for cheaper than ever. We can now get some consumer level cameras that are cinema level. Mm. Like you can go to JB Hi-Fi and get a cinema level camera or a better camera store um, and get cinema level equipment. You can get it up and indie studios will, will, will now thrive 
like Mark Ruffalo sure, yeah. and and Brian Cranston, a lot of guys are speaking about let's try and make it like that. So it can, which is, I mean, what me and Rod are That's doing. a happy medium, that's, right? That's awesome. So like from this, there's no content being made. You can't go to a film festival. You can't do anything SAG, because of SAG rules. No awards ceremony, nothing. You can't promote. And I think podcasting is actually specific as well. Really? Because you can't. You can't go, you can have a podcast, but you can't go and promote some, a film that you're doing. So what was the go? Because obviously there's been heaps of interviews with like the Oppenheimer and the Barbie mm-hmm. people. Is that not that, that stopped at midnight. The red carpet stopped at midnight. They can still play the film, but because of SAG after rules, like that, that was already doing, they negotiated a deal. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of the smaller studios, like uh, Nick, for example, is in a film that's going to, to Toronto Film Festival um, in September. And he, yeah, I don't know how, anyway, yeah, this, he's going to that. And because he's going to that, I think as far as I know, but smaller studios, for example, have exemptions, like small studio, small indie studios, like a 24 neon, these small studio distributors, Yeah, well, they're not really studios they're distributors have negotiated and they've actually met the requirements. They've said, we're not going to do AI. We're going to pay you this. So the smallest, but the biggest studio, the biggest guys are all holding out saying, I don't care. See, like That's I'm <clears throat> one of the one of the hills that I'm willing to die on in terms of my values is obviously I'm a fan of capitalism, but I'm a fan of capitalism as in terms of small and medium businesses that will make the world thrive. Yeah. That version of capitalism is fucked. Yeah. Even for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucked. They're yeah. gonna ruin the whole industry for everyone. Literally. And it's only it's like the top five guys. They're willing, yeah, yeah. they're you know, they're but oh, but it makes it, more sense now. It, it, but it's cool that like it's being exposed and it's like the only way mm. is to see the truth and be like, okay, well there's you know, there's the small guys that are willing to play by the rules and share the profits fairly. It's like, it's it's just about sharing the profits. No one's saying you can't make those profits, mm. but you have to share them with the people that are helping you make. It's fucking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That paints the picture well now. Thanks for that. I appreciate. Industry, industry expert. Industry expert. So industry expert, Michael Krakowski <laughs> on the podcast, everyone, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Just phone in whenever you need. Phone in if you need. Any questions about the yeah. strikes that are affecting your life every yeah, single day. I give you a lot of dirt on Brenton Parks, man. Yeah, Brenton Parks. He was the first episode of the podcast ever. So funnily funny. Enough. Yeah. Um, so funny. Well, let's get back into you a little bit. Like you, you, obviously you've always kind of been this like creative person, but talk to me, when was the moment in your life? Was it your childhood, adolescence that you realized that, hey, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to do a normal life as in like, I'm not going to be able to follow the path, boring office job. Dude, the whole time, every, <laughs> every, every time I tried to like, I was, I was doing everything when I was younger. I was like landscaping. I was working like faster, like, you know, I, I was like, I was in like real estate for a bit. I was doing everything. And it was just like, it, it was just, I always was like doing acting and creating stuff and just, and just fucking up with mates. We made a short, I went to a like conservative Christian school and then we, we made a short film like an, it was meant to be an anti-drinking campaign. They're like, you can do a poster. You can, I was like, can we make a film? She's like, yeah, yeah, you can make a film. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> so I got together, all my mates, we made an anti-drinking film. We were like 15. We actually just got completely blasted and made <laughs> and made this film, edited together. Like I had the time of my life. And then we like all got it. Like my friend had a property, like where I grew up, there's like paddocks and stuff. So we were driving around his car and like, you know, and, and just like filming action scenes. I, I had him like run over this a couple of times with the camera in my hand. I just jumped on the bonnet and we're like, right, we'll do it again and again. Like we were just going for it. And it was just so sick. I think this is almost in the era of like jackass as well, but we wanted to make something with a story. So we were just like, we can make whatever we want. And, and I was like editing it with like a PlayStation. Like I had to edit it with a PlayStation, like a tape machine and all this so analog. And I just fucking loved it. So I did that first kind of, 
while I was and I did acting at school and I was just buzzed on it. So you were like you did drama at school. You kind of knew from yeah. an early age that you wanted to act. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then I just kind of like was like, oh, you know, should I go to acting school? And I was like, just kind of wanted to travel. Mm. So me and my mates just all like as as soon as I think we were like we were old enough, we all got jobs and then literally just scattered. Just yeah. everyone just. Where did you grow up? Uh, out near the Hawkesbury. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like bit of like a bit more of a country upbringing sort of. Yeah, I grew up on like on the Hawkesbury River, like my uh, parents and stuff, like ski and, you know, mm. boats and lots of shit like that. So that that trip you went on, what age were you? Because like I think I said at the start, yeah, you went on like a multi-year trip. Yeah. Life-changing. You went to over 30 countries. Mo- yeah, where was that? When did you decide to do that and what was like the driving factor in? So I went to I, I went to Europe when I was younger, like everyone. Twenty year old Kentucky, fucking what a rite of passage! <laughs> yeah, twenty year old twenty year olds from Kentucky <laughs> to is yeah. just like the vibe. It's so funny, man. And then you were like, oh man, this is wild. And you know, you see part of the world. And then I was just hooked, and I was like, mm. I need to get out. All these films, like I'm watching all these. Like I was always into weird foreign films. I'm watching all these weird stuff, and I'm like, man. I'm not seeing that in the Hawkesbury. <laughs> What's happening? I need to go find, I need to go get it. Yeah. And then, and then just worked a couple of jobs and me and my best mate were just like, okay, cool. So we're going to we'll, we'll plan this world trip. I think I was at his house and we had got this map out like old school and we're like, right, we're going to do this world trip. Let's do it. We're going to go, we went a- Africa and South America, like the both continents. And we kind of just spent a year doing that. Fuck. And then afterwards, instead of coming back, we're like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm never coming back. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you do, you're like, I'm never coming back to this fucking country, man. They fuck them. You know, you have that attitude. Why did you, what is it about Australia that, without being disrespectful? No, it's a great country. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, no. But maybe doesn't excite you as much as opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, I think like everyone, you just, whatever your surroundings are, you just want more. Or you just want something different. different. Mm. It, dude, I could have been living anywhere in the world and like had whatever, but you just like, you have an itch and like you're young and you just want to, you want to find something different. And so we did, we just went out there and, and just got it. And we, we just left. We just spent, we spent a year saving and just, just went. Mm. What was so, what what was so life, life changing about the trip? I mean, obviously I can imagine how, Rich, but like in the moment you don't really, you're not feeling it, but there's this period of time after like the longest trip I'd done before that would be like five weeks, you know? So there's like a period of like after four or five weeks where you're like, where you're like, yeah, okay. And your body's starting to, and you're like, well, I feel like I should go home now, but your body's telling you that, but you don't want to. And and then when you push past five weeks, you start to realize this is your life now for like your six, seven months into a trip. And you're like, this is just my life. This is not like, I don't, you know, like we were backpacking and we were camping in like, um, man, we're camping in like Botswana went. I saw the Serengeti, like Tanzania, just every, just everything in South America. That was, we went to Machu Picchu. We just, with Galapagos, like all these iconic destinations. By the end, we had no money and we're withdrawing cash advance from our credit card. We're like, fuck it. Who cares? Fuck. And then pushing it to the max. Literally. And then from there, we didn't come back to Australia. We then flew to London Mm because Damo's um, family, he has family over there. And then they kind of just put us on their couches for a bit. And, you know, and we were there for, and I was there for a couple of years. What was it like spending time with um, all the kids in Africa, like seeing, seeing that? Because I, I saw some of the videos that you, you guys created with them. Yeah. It was like so much fun. It was, it was funny and it was interesting because it was like, even then I think I felt a little bit uncomfortable, like with some things of like it, you kind of get a sense of what's exploitative tourism 
and you kind of really steer away. Like it's, there's something very cringe about, you know, white privileged people going to Africa and holding a baby. It's, it just doesn't, it's just very yeah. like, you know, cause you, when, when you're any other country that's not really Australia and you're somewhere where it's a completely different world and, and lifestyle economically, and you start to realize that everything is completely different and which, which is great. Exactly what I wanted. And I was like, yeah, things are way different. But like, even then I just remember being like, this is so cringe. Like sometimes when people are like, and it was cool. Cause I, we chose the right group of people to hang around and the right things. Like we did go and participate in like charity things, but they were, they were the right, they were the right ones. And they were, you know, from people that is founded there not, you know, people that have come over and gone, wow, I just saw this and I knew I needed to change, which I respect everybody's job, but that just makes me feel super. <laughs> yeah. I, I get um, you. You know, so I like, we, we went there and it, it felt really cool. Like we were playing football with, with all these young kids that were in this orphanage and they were like fucking legends and they were just amazing soccer players as well. And we were like tackling them and they were tackling, they just, we had a team of like, we had a team of like 10, they absolutely flogged us. They, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was awesome. Talk to me, like, this is another really cliche thing, but how much does it put, put life into perspective and like, you know, our, our struggles that we go through back home and realize like these kids like have fucking nothing but like a, a, a soccer ball and hanging out with the mates. Oh, that's dude, all they care about. Not even a soccer ball. It's a plastic bag that is, that is literally put together with string. So we just buy a bunch of soccer balls and get, and man, yeah, it, it does put things into perspective that like the kind of Western privilege that we have, mm. you know, you kind of look over. But at the same time, we do have other like existential struggles. So everybody's got a different side of it. And But when you realise how many people, even more so in London, because when you realise how many people are desperate to be in Europe because of the the opportunities and things that are happening. And, you, yeah, you definitely have a different picture of the world when you realise that people are willing to risk their lives to be in a country like this. And, you know, it really, it then you kind of, it did make me realize a lot of things when I was finally back in Australia and especially with immigration and, you know, and things that are happening there, it really opened everything up. I think, I don't know, I always had a pretty like open liberal point of view. Everybody can come like, what's mm, the fucking problem? Mm, mm. Like, I understand it's more complex than that, but fuck, I always have like, I don't understand the problem. Like there's, you know, there's enough did, room for did, fucking everybody. Did you feel like that before you left? And then it got strengthened or did you really realize that after you went and traveled the world? I definitely did. But then I think, you know, <clears throat> man, how do I say this? In the Hawkesbury, um, the, my, my mates, we were kind of like, we're all, you know, everybody's like nice and has good hearts and everything. But like, I don't think like when you go to that next level of education, you start to realize a little bit more about the world. I think it was because the people I was with in London were extremely well educated and that they'd seen being in Europe that's seen a little bit more of the world or like maybe the circles I was running in were just me and my mates getting pissed on the weekend being absolute morons. So, you know, maybe that's one particular circle and that's on me, but then I was just exposed to different. The best thing about traveling is you're exposed to people that you would never, ever be exposed to. Like even other people that you run into in hostels or people you end up spending the night with, like people that have taken us in and been like, uh, we have nowhere to stay. Like, yeah, cool. You can stay here. You know, and being with people that we met because of a friend of a friend in South Africa and they took us in and they told us about their point of view on things. And it's always very interesting to get like, I feel like I do definitely have a well-rounded point of view because of all these point of views that I've been exposed to. But wasn't it like a bit of a fucking big 180 to go from like, you know, South America and Africa mm. to then London where it's like very easy to get caught up in, you know, the city life, the, you know, 
beers after work every day, partying on the weekend, Pretty like much. hustle, hustle, hustle. Well, I went from like, yeah, being like on the beach in South America to then, to then working in a nightclub in London and like being around celebrities and people and stuff like that. And like, not because I was there, but because I was working there, I was serving them drinks and <laughs> yeah. like getting pissed with them. So it was, it was super weird. It was fucking weird, but I've always thought like, this is just, you know, life's got to be pretty weird. You got to just tackle it. All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process. And I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're going to get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero all the way up to an eight-figure-per-year brand. You're going to get access to loads of custom tools, templates, and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's going to be one-on-one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches, and there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. Yeah, again, I, like I want to live my life to have as many interesting, weird, rare experiences and not many people get to live. And I think that's the way like to fucking be happy, oh, dude, honestly. Dude, I had some wild ones. What's what's your favorite? What comes to mind when I say, all right, Michael, you've traveled all, all, to all these countries. What's your best travel story? Best that I can tell on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, oh man, what have, what have we got? Uh, I've got, I've got some ones of like, I've got the classic, you know, tripping in Amsterdam and being, yeah. being, being dumb. Um, Do you, and any near death experiences from that whole trip? Not really. No, not really. Like, I don't know. My whole life's pretty much a near death experience. I've had, I've had a lot of concussions, man. Um, car accidents. Yeah, what's that big scar on your head? I've never asked you that. Yeah, oh, that happened when I was younger. I yeah. smashed my head on a. It's pretty big for if you. It's pretty big. Like it's, it's fucking pretty big. <laughs> Is it on this? Yeah, it's on. Yeah, the, I always, right. always forget. Yeah, um, because I'm looking at a mirror most of the time. Um, yeah, it's yeah that happened when I was younger. My my fucking poor mom, dude. She had like two. She had obviously me and my brothers. My dad was in the hospital because he was in a boat accident, and then I was there, and then I fucked up. I hit something on my head, like this trailer came and smashed my head and the whole thing was fucked up. Had to get like, you know, had to be rushed to the hospital. I was like bleeding out. I, you know, it was, it was fucked. How old were you then? Six. Oh, you don't remember too much? No, I remember it. Wow. Yeah. I like, I can't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I remember. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, I think you just kind of brain goes into a hyper focus and you remember that shit. So like going to, to London to being exposed, you know, the party scene, working in clubs, partying all the time, which is fine when you're in your early 20s. But yeah. did you ever, because you've just come from that other experience where I'm sure you would have learned a lot about, you know, yourself, the world, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. Did you ever ever have to catch yourself in London being like, holy shit, I'm turning into one of these dickheads? Uh, no, not really. Because mm. I never felt like, I never felt, well, I was also working in a in a club and like in a nightclub and they were like, yeah, yeah. Like I was meeting like celebrities and different people, but I wasn't like, I was just not like, 
I didn't feel like, no, no, I, I didn't feel really because mm. I was just at the end of the day, me and my mate were going back to like our basically council flat that we were renting off someone and just pissing ourselves laughing. And all of our friends were in Europe at that stage and different. So we were like on the weekend, I would only work three days a week and then I'd go to France and then I'd go to Spain. We'd go to uh, Budapest. We'd go to wherever. We'd just go on, hang out and do different and have mini trips everywhere. And so I always had my mates around. So we always, we went to Ireland, pissing ourselves, laughing with my mate and all his Irish family. Absolutely, dude. I've never laughed harder in my life. A hundred percent. His uncle comes down the stairs, which is hung over his foot. We've been out in Belfast drinking. His uncle comes down the stairs. His uncle's maybe on 130 kilo in a G string. <laughs> no. just, yeah. Just to, just to take, just to take the piss. <laughs> comes down. I almost spit out my breakfast. I'm on the floor and he's like, what? I can't fucking, I can't just walk around my house like this. I fucking <laughs> oh, lost it, bro. They're the funniest fuck. people. Um, fuck. Loose. Can't wait to go back soon. Oh, man. dude. It's, yeah. it's just the loosest place. Everyone's so funny, man. Yeah. And you yeah. don't realize how irreverent people are. They just don't, you know, they take, they take life in a little, like little other direction. Mm. I think funny travel story. You're telling me it's just one. I had, I had one, but my. You What's know, the, because like, questions. it seems like, and I, I think it's great to not live a normal life. I think there's nothing worse than living a normal, uh, quote unquote, yeah. normal life, but unless you enjoy it, but like living life, this is what I've really realized lately. Like the world, the system that's created, isn't designed to make you become happy, man. It's designed to make you a worker, like a cog in the larger machine, like yeah. step out of that. And you don't have, it doesn't have to be about making money in business. It can be about, you know, fucking making films or documentaries yeah. or, you know, being a YouTuber on your favorite toys or your favorite anime series, whatever exactly, it is. Yeah. Like, we live today in a way that you can build your life around, but you actually enjoy. And that's fucking the main thing I'm really passionate about. But has there been, what's been like the most normal part of your life? Is there been one where you just rocked into a normal, you know? Yeah. Roof? When I was working in real estate, dude. Yeah. Real estate. Yeah. Yeah. You. How long did that last? Did I, like a few years because that, but then I used that to, to fund the overseas trip. Oh, so um, that was before you went on the big trip. That was before I went on the big trip. So I was, I was like super young and I was just like in real estate. And I'd, tell me this pen. <laughs> tell me this pen. I could, dude, I could, it's the only pen on the market. So too bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking that easy. If you don't, I don't even need it. I'll just make it in AI. And yeah, then, I don't it, even exactly. Need it, it wasn't for me. I've got some friends that are real estate agents and they're funny as fuck. Like mm. I really like them. Um, but it's not for me. And I was like, dude, I was the worst employee. I'm taking like, I'm making, but it was so funny. Cause I had like, I knew I could get away with it. And I had like really nice uh, ladies in the office and they're like, they, they were all like my mum's age. And they were like, Oh Michael, you're late again. Like, <laughs> they're rocking in with sunglasses and a coffee. They're like, Oh, I was like, Jenny, I got you one. She's like, yeah, you know, and you're just, you're just taking the piss cause you can, and you're like 20 and, and I'm making all these fake meetings and just hanging out with my friends and doing whatever I want. And, taking the pit, the company cars, racking up parking tickets. I'm like, man, this, no, this guy was out to get me. Like my <laughs> phone bills are through the roof and I'm just like, but you know, but I'm doing the job and that like, and I'm fun to be around and I'm a vibe. Mm. So I was, <laughs> so I was really exploiting that. And at night I was also working a second job, like mm. um, working weddings and functions with like all these South American people, actually Peruvian and like all these amazing people. And like, and I'm getting to see like a different side of the world. With like, well, you're not just in a suit. And I was like, that was so cool. And then I was like the barista that I would go to every day. I ended up hanging out with him all the time. Mm. And like, I just like, like di seeing different things. And Do so. Do you still speak Spanish? Cause you learned Spanish over there. <sighs> Ask Rod. Fucking. No. No bueno. No bueno. <laughs> not really. I, I, I learned some Italian, but I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying to stick to one thing. The ADHD brain, man. Just <laughs> yeah. It just keeps kicking in and you're like, you get good for a little bit when I'm yeah. over there. When I'm, when I was in Italy a couple of times, I'm getting really good and. Last time I was in Italy, like a few months ago, our car broke down. Because you lived over there for a while, right? Six months. Like you were there for, oh, 
you know, Instagram world, I just remember seeing your stories. You were there for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for a little bit. In is that when the World Cup was on? No, in that was in Africa. Africa was the World Cup. And then I went in South Africa years ago. And then I went to Europe end of last year. And I went this year for Khan. And then I was in Italy as well. And then 2018. So just, yeah, a few times. My girlfriend at the time was Italian. So, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll leave that in the past. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that in the past. What, what I want to speak to you about, obviously, we'll get into some of like the, the career stuff, but what I want to ask is like, I consciously think about these choices mm. that we do for life every day all the time, right? Because, yeah, I, yeah. but when I was like early 20s, I'm not thinking I'm going to do this because I'm not happy in this life. It kind of happens all subconsciously. How conscious was it for you to, to, to identify that you're not going to be happy doing that and run in the other direction as far as you can? I'm barely conscious most of the time. Like so unconscious, like there's no, uh, th- that's the thing I realized retrospectively, I've started like being like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. And it's literally just all unconsciously. Like I think that the ADHD has propelled me a lot more than I think and realize mm-hmm. in a different way. And I need like emotional stimulation yeah. or like so- something. Cause when I was in that fucking office, when I was in that real estate job, dude, I'm like, listening to David Bowie in my cubicle and I'm like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. And then I'm like, uh, you know, and then people and they're, and they're trying to take you to all these sales training and stuff and, and all this. And I was just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I'm just like, they're trying to make as many jokes as I can mm. and trying to entertain everyone. I feel like real estate's one of those things. Like I wouldn't even say it's not a job. Like I wouldn't even say it's a lifestyle. The thing about real estate, it's like it's a personality. It is a personality. Which is like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, you can, if you see someone walking on the street, you can, you know, if they're a real estate agent, you, know, you, know you can are. fucking spot them a mile away, honestly. Yeah. Um, but in that time in London, is that when like you started doing like more formal acting training yeah. and start, you know, trying to do it seriously? Literally. Yeah. It was like, I hadn't, I'd done like dropping classes and different stuff back in Sydney, but I was mainly just, and you know, trying to entertain and, and fuck around. And then I went to London and then I was like, I had the idea in my head. I was like, no, when I go there, right. There's, there's acting schools, it's the greatest institutions and stuff. So I want to study somewhere. And then I'd, Met and then when I was working at the club, I met someone who recommended this place, and I was like looking around, and she's like, "You have to go to this place." I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, what sort of like was it technique it was based? Meisner, Meisner. So you Meisner fucking school. you spent ten years of your life doing Meisner, Fuck, almost. Man, yes, <laughs> yeah, too much, eh? Yeah, too much, too much, definitely. Too it much. was fucking amazing. So that school was like twelve people, and it was like six months contact every day, like That's five cool. days a week, and it was like just those people and the bonds were just like so close. And I think I needed that because I came, like I came from the Hawkesbury and I was like, not, you know, I had like an inner emotional life that I wasn't really experienced, but I also experienced these amazing things like traveling. And I was like, you know, and yeah, but you've got like your life and you're trying to do all this. And then you get there with like 12 people. It sounds cliche. And they kind of fucking break you down and then build you back up, break you down. And if we have time, build you back up again. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely different from the institution that you and I frequented. Um, it was so much. Yeah, different. So how is it different to the Meisner? Dude, there was like people like cared about each other, maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, 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 the teacher, the head person was just a, such a unique cat. He was very cool. And he was like, this was like pre jujitsu fat he would like for movement he would teach jujitsu really yeah this was like pre that was when i learned stuff and i was like that's crazy that was 2012 it's all like body control essentially right yeah and he's like you know you've got to and i think he just loved it and wanted to do it mm. but it was just it taught you to be unselfconscious about your body and like connecting with someone just holding someone and being like it's okay to be intimate with someone in a scene and etc and how no, would you describe really cool. in like a, in like a sentence or two 
um, for people listening, like what is Meisner Technique based on and what's like the, the main principle of it, you think? So the Meisner Technique is an acting technique. Um, no, like in your own words, because obviously I would probably say something different, but like. Um, the way the way that I learned or it's been explained, I reckon that it's about, um, well, the way I explained it to someone recently actually was uh, it's about using your imagination and as ifs, mm-hmm. the, the circumstances that could happen and fully embodying that and bring it here present with me and you. If I'm, if I'm thinking, uh, you know, and about the moment, if we have to do a scene where someone's dying or mm-hmm. this extreme thing's happening, um, a, another technique teaches you to perhaps do some intense um, memory and vis- visualization, which is important, but the memory technique is, is more about you remember the, the cup of coffee, what it smelled like, what it felt like, the, mm. the weight, the heat, and you get so good at, at turning that muscle on about what that is, that you remember that day that this traumatic thing or perhaps amazing thing happened and you're trying to bring that memory into the scene. Yeah. That's a different technique. But Meisner is about using your imagination fully in this way of like training that instrument so that then you don't need to remember this thing. You're having the moment here of that's really happening and that colors the scene. Man, looking back for me with, with acting, like I feel like there was too many technical things. Not there's too many tools. Jesus. And man. it's like I, I remember yeah. being in a scene. I'm like, what am I fucking meant to be thinking right here, right now? And looking back, reflecting, I'm like, I wish I just acted more. Yeah. As in, like, I just so just like yeah. lived in that moment, and I think, okay, I'm looking at you, Michael, but in the head, you're my brother, and I'm, I need to cry right now. And it was yeah, all yeah. really confusing. But what I what acting really did for me was there was, there was two things that I, that has served me so well. And this is why I'm glad I did Meisner technique. Cause obviously I don't fucking really care. Well, I'll do acting. You go potentially one day, but like the, what it gave me in terms of my understanding of my own emotions and my yeah. own emotional yeah. rage and all the feelings and being in touch with that. Like, I don't know if you like we, some of the, obviously when you do an emotional prep, that, that part in, in, in part mm-hmm. of the acting process, when you, when you've been doing a little while and it's time to fully get in touch with your emotions, like a lot of the girls can like cry pretty quickly for me, it took me a, a, a few times and I hadn't really been ever able to like cry like that before. Now, like if I watch a movie, I'm fucking bawling my eyes out. Yeah. So that, but also what's f- probably helped me even more in, in my life in terms of what I do with business. And when I was in sales is like, because we're like the whole repetition exercise, I'm so, I'm looking at you, but I'm so, I feel like our skill sets and like our spidey sense of like the human behavior underneath what they're really thinking, what they're really meaning, what they're saying. I feel mm. like that because we did it so many times and that's kind of like the wax on wax off shit. Yeah. Like you don't know fucking what you're doing. You feel like an idiot, but I feel like I've still got that ability to read and sense emotions really acutely because we spent so much time fucking studying human yeah. behavior. That's yeah. the main thing I feel like I took from it. It's so good, man. You summed it up perfectly. Mm. This, this guy knows. I'm actually like, going to open up an acting oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll run it together. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, run we'll it together. do it 60-40, okay, 60 me, 40 you. I'll tell you why later. Um, no, I'm, dude, it's like, uh, yeah, honestly, it, it, you, yeah, you nailed it, 100%. And yeah. it was like it's it's one of those things where where it, it teaches, it, it just breaks you down, and especially for, for guys it does teach you to really open some emotional blocks and be mm. a little bit more in in yourself and figure out, figure out what's happening. And I feel like that did help me with my just life in general to figure out things. But dude, one of the funniest, you are funny as fuck. <laughs> I, I don't think you're one of the funniest scene, scenes I've ever seen on stage. I don't know who I was telling the other day. I didn't uh, name any government names, but the other, <laughs> yeah. I was like, one of the funniest things I've seen is you and Brenton are fucking, is doing that Glen Gary, Glen Ross scene. 
in full, like, but you said it, you changed it. This is the creativity and everything. And I'll tell you what, you guys were in that moment because I uh, I lost it. I was on the ground. I didn't think I could breathe. I was laughing that hard. You did this scene, this high pressure sales scene as two bodybuilders in the gym, pumping each other up and just like, assi- like assisting and like help- helping you go to that final rep while you're doing this sales scene. Both just completely greased up, <laughs> ripped as fuck at the time. You guys were both fucking ripped, still yeah, are. I was and like probably just, my peak of being just then greased up, both of you, and had like the budgie smugglers, and we're just like doing curls. I lost it. I thought it was the dude. funniest thing I've ever seen on stage, dude. That's what you have to go back and do. That's dude, one you my, have to do shit again. Yeah, it's that's, so funny. That's one of my favorite memories. Like, dude, we, we, it's the, and it's also because I was getting to have fun. It's the most effort I ever put in anything. Did we had dumbbells we brought in? We're getting a pump see- out the back. We baby oiled each other up. Smoke machines, like protein <laughs> shakes. Like it was, it was epic. Fucking one of the it most was- fun I've ever had. So oh. it's like, yeah, like I like to think about so many things I want to do with life, and I and I do want to experience more of that. Just because I'd it's love like, to fucking see that. I'd pay to see that shit again, dude. Oh, dude, it's we've recorded it. It's somewhere. Brenton yeah. has it, or I have it. We keep we keep talking yeah. about fighting, and I've got to fucking track that down, bro, because it's literally it'd be I've the got fucking some funniest on my thing. Phone of it. Oh, dude, I've got, got some photos. Dude, I'll send them to you. You got to send them to me. Um, but so back to your acting stuff. It's not about me, Michael. It's about you uh, today. Yeah, yeah. I was trying As to it, turn the tables, bro. No, no, no. Um. But when you come back to Australia, obviously we, we do that training together for a yeah. few years. That's where we meet. Yeah. Probably don't obviously learn enough how to actually get, you know, act on screen and get, you know, get yeah. jobs. And because shit, you just, because you just need more, you just need to get, get out and do it. Like I learned a lot more stuff on the job, but like also you learn a lot of stuff, not actually at school, but you learn stuff with your mates when you then go home or you like go, Hey, let's, let's rehearse a scene and just put a camera on and film it and see what happens. That's where you learn. Cause you go, all right, we've got all this, we've learned all this technique. And that's phenomenal, but how the fuck do you put it in practice? It's like you that's can, the fucking yeah. There's you a gotta whole, run the there's marathon. A, there's a whole fucking you tra- missing of the yeah. yeah. It's like we were training for a marathon that we never ran. You know, you know? man. I, I learned a lot, and we did zero technique work mm. working with Les. Yeah, yeah, he's he, a good guy. I was like, fuck, so much more simple now. He's a good guy. He's a real like biohacker for acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, okay, he's the Tim Ferriss of acting. You know, he really is. Yeah. Like, Have you read his book, the new one? Um, no, nah, I can't. Nah, I bought it. I can't Just, read, so yeah. it's a real hurdle for me. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I haven't actually. I haven't. Mm. No, I haven't either, but it I've, seems like, yeah, the bio. It, it feels thing. like really good, but I feel like I just can't read another acting technique book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at, at this current stage, maybe I'll, you know, it'll. Because you did like so many years of training. Now you just yeah. fuck it. And I was like, I was working the whole time as well. That's why it didn't bother me as much because like, then I got an agent, I was working and I had like an American manager for a little bit and I was doing things. And like, so then I'm coming back to class and I'm like, I've just done some, like, I've just did this and like, okay, mm. cool. And like that perhaps I, cherry picked what I needed for, for stuff. And it made it a lot easier. Whereas a lot of other institutions you go and you do it. And then you're like, fuck, there's no fucking job. Like mm. there wasn't no, you know, not an abundance of acting work out there anyway. So then that led to just making stuff. What do you, what do you think's the biggest? Cause like people don't care about the process, like about how, Michael, how did you become an actor? Fuck, just did. No one cares. But what do you think's the, and this is what I'm interested in because obviously I've had a lot of exposure to that world. What do you think's the biggest misconception that people don't understand about being an actor or the process of becoming an actor? Probably just how little time is spent acting. <laughs> how little time is spent. Most of your time is spent auditioning, um, doing other stuff. If you're lucky enough to be a, a theatre actor in this country, that's very different. That's amazing because then you're, you know, you're doing seven shows a week then and you're, you're just, you know, you're doing like perhaps like a six-week run or a three-month run or like I know mates that are out there, they're doing – 
different shows all around the all around the like Australia and New Zealand, and they're you know they've got amazing things. And people in Europe are doing tours, like they're acting their tits off. You know, have you done any theatre? Like, have you done? Are you a interested little, in that? Would a, you a little bit in London and stuff? But then I just fell in love with the, with film and like, and then started making stuff. So yeah, it, it's something that I'm looking at getting back into because of a recent project that we've got, and we thought it might be better suited to just take on the theatre because it's all based in one room and it's super interesting. And we're like, well, let's do both. We'd like to kind of put it up as a theatre production, just a limited run for us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, invite people and do that to then for that to lead to a film. Like something. Something that I struggle with a lot, like theatre acting is real acting. There's no, yeah. there's no, you know, you can't. It's like yeah. you're, you're, there's so much of just you and the dialogue and the other person. Totally. There's no, there's no tricks. Mm. Film and TV, it's like. It's a different thing. It's yeah. a different thing. It's like. I like, yeah. And that's where I kind of got lost a little bit as well. It's like, what am I, what am I fucking meant to be doing here? I can like, I can completely not be present in the actual moment. I can just look things like things I'm sad and make you cry. But I'm like, is that what I'm meant to be doing? Like, it's like, it was this whole illusion and I got really confused with it, but it's like, I guess it doesn't fucking matter. Right. Everyone has a completely different process. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has a process and then, I mean, the screen is that, but then the camera never lies and then they look and see Mm. what chemistry works, what works, what's in the moment, what's not. And then, you know, that kind of decides, but it's heavily instinctual. It's mm. heavily instinctual, both acting and directing and figuring out what works and what doesn't, you know, there's obviously techniques to back everything up, but then, you know, it's, it's very like, it's very just human. We, we realize what we not, you know, we hire people we know, trust and like, and it's the same with actors. Yeah. We know them, we trust them, we like them, we believe them. Yeah. You know? And like, that's where I, I felt like I did my best work, particularly like actually after I stopped and I was doing stuff yeah. with, with Les, it's like, when I just like not cared less, but just like said fuck it to everything I knew and just Pretty you know, much. did it. Because that's what real people do. That's what real people do, right? Like, mm. you know, when you're watching someone pile effort into a scene, it's you admire it, but it's hard to watch because you're watching their work. You're watching the effort. Exactly. You're not watching someone like surf and just flow. Mm. Like you're watching them just work their ass off to get on that wave and they're just they're not flowing. If if there was one thing about the whole entertainment industry you could change, what do you think it would be? Yeah, the democratization, exactly what's trying to happen now. Mm. Like make it, you know, less less money for the big studios and more money because, geez, if you if you could, you know, you can make one $30 million movie or you can make $31 million movies. Mm. You know, like a bit of a, a bit more democratization of of entertainment because it is dominated by the few, the brave, the only, you know, just just that. And it's it it would be a, a very different world. Like, and, and I think that's what like Netflix and Amazon and the big screens promised. You saw more faces than ever, more people than ever, more shows than ever. And you're like, Oh wow, this is, you know, we, they, they sold us the dream. They did a great job, man. We thought this is the dream, but then they were doing it by sharing none of the money. Yeah. And like, there's, you know, there's, cause there's very few like working actors that only do acting and survive on that as a job. Very few. I'll be like a couple percent, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the big demystification is like, there's no, you know, th- and theater is like fucking awesome, but it's, you know, it's hard to do because the, m- the money isn't there. And then the moment, you know, you get booked for a commercial or for a film job, you're like, well, like um, I'm already committed to this theater job. And then you kind of, you know, it's hard, but that's life scheduling as well. So and that, that's another reason to be honest that I, I didn't like, I knew I was really good at school. I was too smart to, you know, well, I knew and, and you would know as well, like some really great actors that have won awards and done really cool projects that have to, you know, clean pubs to make a living. That's it, brother. That's it. Uh, yeah, I know a few of them. It's fucking, but yeah. really great actors. I'm like, yeah. fuck. And then I know other actors that are, 
you know, done really good and they've made, they've made some money. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like it's like I guess I, I know which one I know more of. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one I know more of. And, and I guess for me as well, and this is like, I, I wasn't like you. I wasn't, I didn't get into acting because I was a drama kid at school. I was, I was a fucking sport kid, you know, I was yeah, playing all yeah, the sport, yeah. which, which you were too. Yeah. You, can, you can obviously both. I was a sports kid and I was quite good with my academics. You know, yeah. I did, did HP business. Like I was, I was fucking really into it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to be a lawyer. So I'm going to suit every day. Yeah. Get to uni. I'm like, holy shit. This is what it's really like. It this is the fucking worst thing it ever. Sucks. I, I genuinely thought to myself, I'm fucking, I've never been depressed before. I'm so close to being depressed right now. What's the opposite Fuck. I can do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going to be, what? Isn't about the money. What isn't about, you know, what you should do, what's, what's, yeah. what like your parents or the, the system wants you to do. And I don't know how I landed on acting. I'll do a little short, you know, short course just to mm-hmm. pop in and see. And I fucking really loved it. And it was a lot of fun. So I did it. But there's this Robin Williams quote that sticks with me that I heard him, I, I, I heard him say in an interview. And it's like, and this was probably in the last year or two when I was still kind of, you know, semi doing acting. And it's like, and I didn't really get what it meant until now with, because I understand what it means with business. Mm. And it's like, don't be an actor unless you need to be an actor. And I remember thinking, no one needs to be an actor. Some people, yeah. Some but people, you couldn't do anything else. Yeah, exactly. Now I couldn't, I couldn't help myself but to just start businesses. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't go and do anything else now yeah, that I've had exactly. this. exactly. So I didn't know that then. That's interesting. That's mm. cool that, that that quote led you down that path that you're like, no, I need to. I can't, like, I can't do it. I need to. I can't do anything But, like, else. I look at you now and I think you can't do anything No, else. I can't do anything <laughs> What are you dude, doing now? Dude, no way. No <laughs> way. I mean, I can dig a nice ditch. <laughs> if you need a ditch, I will dig the, f- I'll dig the hell out well, of you that. you probably ditch. get there half an hour late. Yeah, I'll, do, I'll get there half an hour late, coffee in the land. You know, be be cracking jokes with the boys, and then eventually the hole will get dug. But Just you know, it might not be on time. But late, yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe you could get a job for the guys who did my bathroom because they were fucking late for everything. That really, day. So, yeah, really. Yeah, no. Shout out to them. <laughs> shout out to the bathroom boys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you doing renos at your house, dude? Yeah, so um, many, too many, man. Uh, at least you get redoing the whole place, which is going to be sick, and sick. like it's a great spot. You, you've been, yeah, 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 sick spot. Um, so it'll be great, but I just can't wait till it's all done, man. Can't wait. Did some, I did some time on the tools, you know, back How when I was, it? it's tough. I'm, I was saying this, I'm sometimes I'm too white collar for my own good. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah, didn't, yeah. bro, as I said, I joke around with people, bro, I didn't grow up with dad. Yeah. Yeah. What do you yeah, expect yeah. me? I, exactly. I, no one told me how to, you know, use yeah, tools. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, it, yeah. So that's my excuse anyway. But, um, so you, the, the process, you, you realize that, Hey, fuck you, fuck you want to act. I got to yeah. make my own stuff. Yeah. When does it turn into you just making stuff, you know, with, with some friends for fun projects, trial and error. When do you think let's actually make a production company and let's obviously still do like storytelling and like fun, creative projects, but maybe commercialize a little bit so you can make a bit of, bit of a living doing this. Yeah. Well, it was something like what I always did. And then your hobbies become, you know, your hobbies hopefully become your work. Mm-hmm. And you know, because we, even through acting school, I was always making short films and contacting other people. And then in the UK, like when I was over there, I was trying just about to do that process. And then I had to leave because of visa and other stuff. Mm. So then I came back and, you know, and I just, I was hungry to, to create stuff. And then, you know, and then you start realizing that not you can do better, but you're in a, you know, short film and it's badly written and someone does so like the, the angles you're like, I would have gone like, you know, and you start to go, fuck, I would have done that. And I don't have any formal training, but I have an instinct. And then, then I started to work with Rod and, and his other mates and go, these guys are great. Like we, we, we vibe, yeah. we get each other's tastes. We understand, um, we understand what we like and, you know, we still have differences within that, but we just have, we gel. And then from that, then Rod has contacts, I have contacts and we start, you know, then making stuff for money, like more commercial stuff and, and, you know, doing paid jobs and, corporate content and other stuff to pay the bills and then documentaries and 
than entertainment. That's always been our thing. Like Rod's also a writer and he's been writing scripts since, you know, for years now and he's got finished screenplays and I've got Ambos for Hire, which is the, and, and Shambleton and we've both got Shambleton together and we've got all this stuff, Ambos, all this stuff we developed and we just started doing from a necessity and like need to create. And he's also so fucking driven. It's crazy. So what, what's, what would be your advice? Obviously, I don't want to seem like it, I'm making it super hard to, no, no. you know, earn a living as an actor because fuck, I did it for ages and I loved it. Yeah. What would be your advice to someone who's listening that maybe they're not sure it's, if it's acting that they, they know, but they know that whatever they're currently doing isn't, isn't for them. Like where do you yeah. start to try and figure it out? Start scratching the itch. Mm. Like what's, you know, if you want to, even if you want to do a funny character on, on TikTok or something like that, and then from that you can go, okay, what would, what would that character be look like? not on TikTok, in a world, then you start to think of different camera angles and then you start to think of different characters and you just start small and then grow. Because I also think that like the way it was done, and I still think it'll be there, but it'll become hyper niche. Like mm. in terms of acting, I'm going to an institution and then I will become an actor and then the, and then there will be jobs and I will be hired for a job. I think that's a very old hat way and I, I think it's just slowly dying and I think a lot more people are multiple multiple disciplinarians mm. like producing comes naturally because it's about getting your getting people involved and understanding that someone needs to come and film and you know and this person needs to come and like you know timelines and when everyone is expecting the project and managing people's expectation from actors to you know financiers to to crew and cart like everybody like catering and understanding someone is going to be fed or this emotional scenes in the afternoon. So we'll make lunch here, start to scheduling and starting to understand the more you do, the more you realize what you need. Yeah. And like producing and acting kind of came hand in hand because I'm like starting to see people as well, like up till three in the morning and then they want you to do this scene and it's so unnecessary. I wouldn't have scheduled the fucking day like that. I would have done this first lights. Why the fuck you just, you just do it because you're pissed off and you do so many shit short films that you're like, why the fuck are you doing that? And you're like, well, this guy's just doing it. Like no, like no harm on him. He's not saying I'm the best in the world. He's just doing it. So you may as well just fucking do it as well. Do you feel like being the multi uh, dis- fucking disciplinarian? I don't even know how to say that word. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, Cause yeah, like being an actor makes you a better producer. And do you feel like, producing and, and understanding everything you said before about why am I making this like the shot, you know, the messaging, all of that other fucking contextual stuff about who it's going to be sold to. What are they looking for? Does that actually help you make better acting choices or? I think so. I think, I feel like it wouldn't, you, you couldn't not. Yeah, I, I think so. It does. But then, but then it also can overwhelm you. Like if you're in a scene thinking about the fuck that this person's like going to come and ruin the shot. And then we've only got this many hours and then that light's coming here. That's also the art of like, you've also got to concentrate. Block all that shit out. Hyper focus. Cause even as an actor, you'll start thinking about everything anyway. So I think about what you fucking have for breakfast. Oh, I'm upset with this part of that. So you got to like super hyper, hyper focus anyway. And it's like, you know, when you learn that focus in anything, then it's just great for any, it's impossible you know, with, not to be good. Yeah. With, with the business side of it, do you, do you feel like you enjoy it? A lot of creatives don't some do like, do you, do you enjoy that side of it as well? Or is it more an ends to an end for you? Like, I'm like, uh, I enjoy like the conversations about it. Like, you know, with like, you know, you, but you've just got to kind of get it done. Like I enjoy the, I do enjoy the marketing of knowing yeah. like, of like we for Shambleton, like, you know, like Rod and I, um, I created, created that together. And then 
And for someone who, because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. For someone that hasn't seen Shambleton, how would yeah. you explain to me what it's about? Oh, uh, that's a good, that's a good, yeah, the elevator pitch. So it's, a, it's, uh, Shambleton's a fictional place. Uh, it's very similar show to, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's about uh, a group of people in the modern world just trying to cope. Um, <laughs> really is essentially what it is. But we follow one central character, Kimmy, who's actually a bit of an e-commerce bro. Oh, is who, he? Yeah, he tries, he tries various businesses and stuff. And he's really, we're kind of, you know, we started kind of um, really exploring like, we wanted to explore like love and relationships in the modern world, e-commerce, e- e- people starting their own businesses and what that looks like. And that was Kimmy's, f- like that was Kimmy's first seed. And then we, from that, we just extrapolated this whole world. And we want, we wanted to create a world where anything that could happen can like mm. Murphy's law. You know, we, we have an episode where there's a werewolf. We've got a serial killer. We've got all this stuff. And then it, we also wanted to then make it. So the more it went on, the more grounded we made it. But we also shot episodes in Sydney, Melbourne, the Gold Coast, then Taiwan and France. And like as we were traveling and working, making documentaries and stuff, we just started shooting it as well. What's the process like to to write, shoot, and edit uh, in one week? Like when you're releasing an episode a week, uh, it's tough. And I'm lucky that we've got Rod, who's an absolute machine. I don't think and like we both are like realized. Uh, I'm very grateful to have him, and I think he's hopefully great grateful to have me. And I think we we come together and we realize, holy shit, I don't know anyone else that can do this. Like, because there's no one that can shoot and edit like him yeah. and direct, you know, and write and do sound. And there's no, you know, and I'm acting, producing, and a lot of the times, sometimes acting with myself and I'm playing multiple characters on the show. <laughs> and then we're producing the locations where, you know, riding fucking scooters in, in Khan with him on the back with the camera, like doing hyper illegal shit. We're filming in airports in China. We're like, Doing Definitely some, not meant to be doing. No, no, we're doing some pretty illegal shit. Yeah, but we're just seeing how far we can push it because we just want to get the product out there. What was the idea? Because it's it's becoming really successful on YouTube, like thousands yeah. and thousands of episodes, like views in, in between each episode, it's like right. still it's doing well. What was the originally idea? Was it like was there obviously for fun and and to mm. you know scratch that creative itch? But was there like a a reason or a goal behind yeah. this series in particular? Well, we actually had a feature film first that we were going to film around Australia and it was going to be a road trip feature film. Had it written, good to go. And it just, there was something missing though. There was something missing in it. And, you know, we're trying to get everyone on board. We were producing it and it just seemed like, like, oh man, we're going to put all this, we're going to put all this effort in, all of our money, we're going to invest it into a three-week shoot. We're like, what if we break it up? And what if we just shoot a little bit every week? And we're like, oh, well, can't do that because it's a road trip. We're going from Sydney to Perth. Okay. Well, what if we just take, what if we just film something every week? What does that look like? And Rod and I started to jam and be like, okay, who would it be about? We're like, okay, let's just do housemates, you know, because sorry, very, very Sydney, like housemates, e-com- it was just everything that's going on around us. Housemates, e-commerce, start your own business, like um, love and relationships, like AI, all of that is in the show. Just trying to fucking figure out life and cope, right? Yeah, yeah, and we just made it episodic. So we made like, okay, something something different happens every week. We're like a new adventure every week. We're like, okay, a new housemate. Friends would literally come in. I've got Brenton in an app. I've got Jordan in an app. <laughs> uh, Nick hasn't been in one. But like if friends would come and stay over and I'd be like, okay, cool. Do you want to shoot Shambleton tomorrow? They go, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll just shoot an app. Our other friends, Charlotte and and um Kate and uh, Ifair, like all my mates, Mercy, Patch, like all these amazing people would just come. And by the end, now by season two, we started to get views up. And then I think we're just taking big swings. Like we're filming in 
Taiwan and France and people are like, oh, shit, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and yeah, we're like, yeah. I don't know, man. And then we started to actually want more rather than just being serialized and new adventure. I wanted to thread the needle and we really started to care about the characters, which, you know, and like I started to care about my own character, which never happens. I was like, oh, I kind of care what happened. Like yeah. actually, but I always wanted to like, I wanted the worst things to happen to him. Mm. I was like, nah, but how can he lose? What's the worst thing that can happen? And then we'd start to thread the needle, be like, oh, okay, let's give him this, let's do that. And it would just evolve. And by the end, you know, we're writing scripts, we're doing that, we're, we've got special effects, we're doing all sorts of shit. <laughs> is, it, is, your, is most of your viewers, you know, are they Australian or are they come from around the world a little bit? I, thi- I think around the world. Like I haven't looked at the analytics exactly, but I think around the world. Sorry, it's just my e-commerce brain. Yeah, true, true. straight into the analytics. True. I haven't looked. There's a lot. I think it's a lot of overseas as well, but I do get – I do get more messages than I expect from people watching it. Like I don't, you just don't think anyone's watching it because yeah. like you can't really make something and go. You can't, right? You can't think that every single person is watching it. And I just get random messages from people that I haven't spoken. And I'm like, so thankful. I'm like, fuck, thank you're watching this. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fucking wild. What was it like? Yeah. Cause like, was there to kind of like make it more like, you know, some, some value for the creators out there. Obviously mm. recently, like the last couple of months, you've done some things that have went really well, but also I noticed around the similar time that things, the view started like skyrocketing, you changed like the thumbnails. Did that have an effect? It, on- did, it did. Well, like luckily we had some people that actually just friends, like good friends were like, Hey, do this. You know, my, my friend who, um, who worked for a company in the Netherlands and she created a lot of YouTube content for like a, uh, an educational like in journalist program mm. started to tell us about um about that she's like okay well and we only started to do this on the last two videos was like yeah you should also because we just share it to our friend friendship group everyone that's in it and then she goes yeah well instead of sharing it get everyone to comment on the youtube log into youtube comment on it and make sure you know like comment subscribe it's, it sounds so lame but actually log into your youtube comment you know write a provocative comment to like start a conversation and pin it to the first top post. Be like, what did you think of this? Or do you think this is going to happen? And we would have fun with the copy. Like I put a little warning satire and I, and every single week we we come up with a different little, you know, axe. The last one was like, axes are great for chopping wood, you know, <laughs> cause I don't want to give away a spoiler, but then, you know, we credit everyone with their Instagram, their IMDB. Like we go through the copy and do that. Like we haven't done a proper SEO thing, but then we started using hashtags and then we started understanding what other videos it was similar to and, and then kind of going from there. Um, See, there's a whole lot more strategy in it, right? That you, is, yeah. you would think from the outside looking in. And even for the podcast, yeah. I was saying, you even done anything. Like it's all been yeah. about, let's just put the reps in. Yeah. Let's just have the conversations. We'll get, get better at, you know, the process of finding guests, booking guests, researching guests, having having the conversations, which is a skill. Mm. And then it's like, we've already done 60 something episodes and it's been like, holy shit, that was fast. Mental, yeah. This is like 67, something Crazy. like that. I fucking can't even say in that. When we get back from Europe, it's because I know a lot about growing things. I haven't been a YouTuber before, but I'm excited to really start pushing. Exactly. But, YouTube. but you can't do that from day one. There's just too oh, no, many no, no, things. Oh, no, 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 no. Exactly. You have to just, you have to also just be okay with it being shit for a little bit. And that was a conscious choice of mine. Just, I went in, into it as well. And it's a lot for your ego to handle. Like anyone going, oh man. So like a hundred people watch this. Yeah. You're like. Hey, that's a hundred people, you know, so like, actually we had the, we're like, man, I can't believe 20 people watch this. (laughs) We were so pumped. The first day we're like, man, 20 people watch this. And then our thumbnails were terrible at first. And then our thumbnails got better and we started listing the episodes and 
putting more provocative pictures in there. You and, should look at Mr. You know, Beast's thumbnails. I yeah yeah we we went down a Mr. Beast rabbit hole, but he's he's a very but then I realized as well the content he's creating. We we kind of purposely made a choice not to align ourselves with that mm-hmm. because he's making you you know like like click stimulating quick, but like you know, I'm making a 12 minute video about a character's journey Mm -hmm. and like different people. So you have to, you have to kind of be in for that. If you're in for, you know, you just want some other stuff. I get what you mean. If you're in for that, then you're not going to, I also don't want to mislead people. Mm. So I'm big, like, I'm big on like, you know, this is what I, you're going to get something fun, but you're not going to get like, um, (laughs) except for that episode where we had Leonardo DiCaprio in it because we were like, had him in it. We were in car and we shot him on the red carpet and we worked it into the story and it was super funny. And I was there with a camera long lensing him and I'm like, and everyone's like, fuck, where's Leo? I've got him. I've got him. (laughs) And literally he was actually in front of us the whole time, but there was so many people we didn't realize. Mm. He was in front of us signing autographs and then he went up to the red carpet and I'm there with like the lens from like 50 meters back, like zooming all the way in going, Oh, so, uh, Leo, Leo, there's his head. Yeah, I've got him. I've got him. Like, that's so man. funny. That's so funny. What about what about Ambos? Like, what's the situation? What's the update on that? Like, when can people, like, what's, can so we that's, watch, how can we, you know. That's being it? pitched at the moment. And, like, this is what you realize as well. These things take forever. Yeah. And just because it's not the right time for one, like, a few streamers have, have read it and, and, you know, commented on it, but it's not the right time for them and what, what they're needed. And the difference is in budget level, like, Ambos is, bigger budget than Shambleton, which we make and completely finance ourselves. So like I can understand that, mm-hmm. um, that dichotomy, but where we're like, the more we work, the more people we meet, the more contacts we have and relationships take a while to build before, you know, you're banging down a door saying you have to put the show on your network. You know, they're like, yeah. So who the fuck are you? Yeah. So what would the goal be like on a streaming service or on like an ABC, SBS? Like what's the idea? Definitely, a, definitely a streaming service that can handle the budget mm-hmm. um, for, or Ambos, and just some talk of Shambleton as well in a, in a small network or some other people that we're talking to. So there's some talk of that, but at the moment, like keeping Shambleton like the way we want to do it is 100% because that's why we did it in the first place, keeping it there. So if it do, if it did go somewhere, it would be exactly what we wanted. Yeah. And Ambos going in that, Ambos for High, the, the series we created with me, Rod, Nick, and Jeremy would definitely be um, a bit of a bigger budget. We've even got some names attached to it. That's cool. So like some big names that like, yeah, that, that is so funny. But even that, like sometimes you realize you're like, oh, not even that's pushing it because that's the one thing I realized about acting about all this stuff. It's like you're asking someone else to, that's the beauty about YouTube was we didn't create it. We created it because we just wanted to. And YouTube was a platform. We didn't go, how do we dominate on YouTube? We went, we're just creating something and what can we put it on that everyone can watch YouTube? Yeah. And then we kind of, you know, we're like, okay, who's going to watch it? Like, and then we did that, but we still created with the integrity of, we just want to create exactly what we want, scratch our creative itch. And then the other way as well is like is streaming services and stuff. They're a business. It's their prerogative. Like just because you're not on their thing, it's like, that's the way it works. Is like, it's not, there's just so much arrogance. I think sometimes around people thinking that they're owed something by, uh, you know, by a service because you've got a good product. It's great but you're still asking someone to invest literally millions of dollars in that product for you. That's a huge, huge risk. Well, how much did you shoot of, of, of Ambos? Is it a full season or is it like a pilot? We shot like a really long pilot. Mm. And the ir- irony is we shot it over a few periods. We shot like a couple of 
like web episodes that we just like will never show anyone. They're just for us. They're funny. <laughs> they're fucking funny. Like, I, I think they're so funny, but they're just so bad quality in terms of shooting because yeah. we were just learning. And that, and then I got right on board and then they got really, really good because he's good. Like, but before that was me in a van, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and we shot some stuff, but we were also like, we realized how we learned and we was like, rather than sitting down and writing and doing it, we were like, well, okay, we've got some characters. Let's film it. Let's see what works. And then actually from filming it, I realized comedically what worked and that. And then we started to write, film a little bit, write, film a little bit, write. And then we built this thing over like a few years and it just started to like get, get bigger and bigger and be like, oh, okay, now we've got a pilot. Now I've got, now I've got 40 people in a party scene. And like, now I've got like, you know, like, and uh, now I've got like the cops rocking up and like, we have to, you know, tell them there's, there's not a party. And then, you know, we got a Domino's guy with like, 200 pizzas and we're like trying to feed everyone. Like it was, Fuck. it just got out of control in such a fun way. And that was our first, like, it was just like mainlining fucking crack dude. Yeah. Like that excitement of you're having, running on adrenaline with all that process. Oh, like when you're filming and like it's on top of the world. Yeah. Big time. And it's like, but it goes huge. And sometimes you, you got to look after yourself as a, like a performer or a producer and stuff. I realized you got to look after yourself on the down mm-hmm. because you're coming up on such a big high of like, wow, we just, said to everyone we would film this thing and we did and it's above and beyond and now you've got to manage expectations and you've got to manage your own emotions because you can just get wild. Well, that's just the whole being 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 a performer or an actor in general. Like the yeah. mental health roller coaster that you go on as an actor is nonstop. How yeah. have you managed that over the years? Um, poorly. <laughs> poorly. No, Appreciate I, the honesty. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, yeah, it's poorly at moments and I was like, and then like after shows, after things, you're running on the high and you you feel like no one can relate to that high. So you get around people that can relate it. And then, you know, but I, like I never really got too out of control, but there's moments where you're like, okay, I'm fucking out of control now. Mm. And you realize that like two or three days later, you're running on a high. And then that third or fourth day, you're just fucked. And you go through all the dopamine and stuff. You got nothing like, left. Mm. And you're just like an empty shell. And it wasn't because of like necessarily drinking. It was because but I can see how, it's so easy that you can see how people can become addicted to to anything afterwards because nothing's going to chase that and you kind of don't want that feeling to go down. What's your thoughts of the LA scene? I fucking really didn't like it. Yeah, I I don't know. I was there having fun with my mates. So I thought, and I, I wasn't like, I'm going to live here. Like we were just, dude, I was there with Nick. We we're driving around cars. We we're pissing ourselves laughing. We we're having the funniest time. But I, I think it'd be a, a hard, hard place to live. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think it's a fun place to visit for entertainment. Sure, 100%. And, you know, for opportunities and stuff. But I think it'd be a very hard place to live it, to live in. It's also a hard place where you just see that much inequality and you're like, this is fucking cooked, man. Yeah, bro, what I hated about it, like I've been a couple of times, I went with my brother, we had the best time. Like if you're there with your people and you're just there for fun, it's, man. you know, it's a mad city. You can have a lot of fun, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But what I hated when I went over by myself and I was hanging out with like a lot of like my, you know, business friends and people like you go over there, you know, as a fucking entrepreneur or whatever. Um, and you're in like the VIP sections of, of like the clubs. And it's like, I'm just here. Like I'm just some kid from Western Sydney, bro. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ev- ev- like everyone, <laughs> yeah, like everyone's so what's the word? Like they, every interaction, the thing, what can I get out of you? Literally. And then like, there's like girls coming up to you and say, Oh, what are you? Oh yeah. Like they just see you there. And then just yeah. all, they just absolutely throw themselves at you so much. Yeah. You're like, I'm so turned off. This is such the, so such a, funny, eh? this is so weird for me. Yeah. And, and like, what are you doing? Like, Oh, it's just like, I oh, am yeah, some partying. I'm with future tomorrow. And then this rapper, I'm just like, 
I really realized the other side of the city, which I didn't didn't yeah. know yeah. until I went there. And I was really disappointed because I wanted to live over there. And I'm like, there's a there's a soulless, I wouldn't say soulless, there's a really cringy side of the city. Yeah. Yeah, did you, did you have you oh, set, yeah. Yeah, oh, experienced yeah. it? But it was that? so funny because when that's happening to me, I'm like, sweetheart, I haven't got a penny to my name. This is, <laughs> this is hilarious. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, if anything, I'm like, so what are you doing later? She's like, oh, no, it's just <laughs> go away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I, you know, I thought it was – I thought it was fun, but yeah, those conversations, you're like, you're like, dude, can we just have fun? Why are you sitting here? Like someone's like the, the most typical thing that's happening is someone is pitching to you when you're blasted, you're in a club and someone's pitching to you this idea yeah. and you're just like, like they're getting so close. You can just smell the ciggies on their breath. <sighs> and you're like, you're just there going fuck off. And like, by the you're trying to be nice as well, but you're like, dude, you're like, yeah, dude, nah, it's all good. Hey, like, <laughs> oh, what, what makes you think I'm going to do that? <laughs> and, and dude, there's, what, what blew me away about the city is like, I don't know if people listening have experienced this. Like there's like, there's legit people whose job is their connector mm-hmm. and they just connect you and plug you in. You want to, I'll get you anything in it. Like, yeah. but not, I'm not even talking about drugs. You're saying you want to, you want to get a dinner at this restaurant. You yeah. want to know. And it's just exhausting. I'm like, guys, I'm just fucking here. I don't need yeah. anything. You just, let's just hang out. You do you, I'll do me and fucking yeah. have a bit of fun. Yeah. But it's not like that. Well, that's just culturally as well, the way. Australians yeah, generally what, are. And, mm. you know, America's a big, America's a beast. And it, I think it needs that to survive because it's so big. It, you know. Have you spent time in New York? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I actually. like New York a lot more. Yeah. It wasn't, it was different. Yeah. I felt like when I'm in New York, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah. I'm like, because big part of why, and this is probably linked to the way my brain, brain works. Like big part of why I've for a long time wanted to, which I still haven't, so if I can probably don't really want to mm. um, live outside of Australia because I feel like Australia is like, it's, it's a really great, safe, clean country yeah. to raise a family and blah, 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 all that sort of fun stuff. But I feel like I'm missing out. Like nothing really cool happens in Australia. Like let's be <laughs> compared to what's happening in the rest of the world. Yeah. But when I was in New York city, I'm like, bro, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm yeah, in the yeah. center of the fucking the Madison world Square right Garden. Now. The Knicks are playing. This is happening. This restaurant. Yeah. It's yeah. And like, bro, we, we change of pace. But like when I was over there, cause, uh, and then I, I being in New York for the first time, and then I obviously walked past the nine eleven place, and I know we were I was a kid when the nine eleven thing happened, mm. and I realized, holy shit, that's how big it was. Yeah, yeah. I I already realized I'm not a fucking idiot. You have to yeah. when you're there in New York and be like, it happened here. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, you like it happened in kind of the center of the, the world. whole you know center metropolitan the, yeah. business fucking world. It was fucking really, really crazy. But like New York, but yeah, LA. I'm actually flying to Europe through LA and we got like a, yeah, you know, yeah. a little bit of time in LA. So I'm going to pop my head. Yeah. Pop your head in. Pop my head in. But you know, you got a different perspective now and you're like, look, I know it's not for me. And yeah. it's also hard because you were probably auditioning the place. You're like, do I want to live here? Exactly. Do I want to live here? Do I want to hang out with these people? And you're like, nah, no way, dude. Yeah. But um, yeah. What, what's, what's next for you? Like what, what's, what should people be keeping out for? Again, if you want to have a laugh, Shambleton on Shambleton YouTube is fucking on, really, on YouTube. really popping off, really, really fun. Just. Yeah. It's funny, man. Yeah. It's, it's going good. Thanks, man. It's like, it's, it's funny. And like, it's like, I can't, we can't stop. (laughs) We, we wanted to take a break and we're going to take a little break and structure the show differently, but um, we just love it. So it's like actually something that we enjoy doing and we, we have fun. It keeps us like, keeps us in the game and stimulated, but. And you never know what could come from that just by keep doing it. You know what I mean? Can't, well, yeah, some stuff, like things, you know, some stuff's happening, but you, you know, you've got to also, then put yourself in positions to make it happen, I think. But, but in terms of like fucking, sorry to cut you off, yeah. a lesson because like these days aren't educational podcasts, but a lot of people want to take fucking lessons from this. And one thing I've realized is like, bro, 
if you want something in, in life, you have to fucking scrap for it. You have to fight for you it. Have you have to it. do whatever you can to make it happen. This wasn't handed to you guys. Have to like get a bunch of people together and just figure it fucking out. Yeah. Don't, you can't just expect shit to change, whether it be business, whether it be a creator or whatever, you have to fucking work so hard to make Absolutely. it happen. Absolutely. Like, you know, the traditional way of pitching a show is you perhaps make a one to two minute sizzle reel. You know, you, you write, you, Write all the episodes of the show. The then you you pitch the show, and you've got the pitch deck, and you've got you explain the characters, the world. You know, you get another. You go in with a co-producer. You both go in and you pitch it. You know, and you're like, okay, that's one way. But you're like, you actually really haven't made a frame of the show. You've made a sizzle reel, and we were like, hang on a minute, we want to make a show. So why the fuck aren't we making a show? Cool, we'll make one. And it just started from that of like do to get like yes. And we, but when we weren't making it, going oh next week, man. Netflix is calling me. <laughs> Do you talk to Ted? Yeah, I talked to Ted. You know, Apple's, uh, Apple's on the line. Like you just, you make it to make it yeah. because you, you enjoy it. And then, and then you can reach, I think, a point of going, okay, well, what if it looks bigger? Or what if it, what if we have more money to create bigger things that we want to? What does that look like? And you just kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fun, man. Yeah. It'd be fun to watch what you guys do with that. What about mm. Ambos? Like how would you, Ambos for Hire? Again, yeah. like you said, it's a bit of a bigger budget project. Yeah. You kind of, to, to make something that big, like you said, it yeah. obviously takes time, but what's the elevator pitch for Ambos for Hire? Well, Ambos for Hire is about, um, I can't say too much about it actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't say too much about it, but it's a, it's a show in a, a slightly fictional world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's about uh, the emergency services industry and I guess what that kind of looks like when it gets fully techified. Yeah. So it's, it's a, such a fun concept and we worked on it for so many years. So I think because we put the work in out of love and like, and we just worked on it for so many years that I've got such a broad understanding of like, you know, you can ask me about this character or that character, where they're going or what that means. And just because we spent years doing it, so that where we pitch the traditional way that I just told you not to. <laughs> yeah. We pitch that and, you know, that's had some good, some bad. So we're, we're just keeping on with that and because some shows take 10 years to get up. Yeah. So it's about, I think, us, you know, continuing with Shambleton and we've also got, you know, Rod's written so many great feature films and we've got different things and different interests that we generated at Khan and Screen Forever. So we're kind of, you know, looking the feature film route as well. So we're just keeping everything kind of going and alive and speaking to people and then yeah, perhaps a play and, and some other things. Cause I've seen some stills and some like just BTS of you guys filming Ambos. Yeah. I can't fucking wait to watch it, Dude, man. It's that, that's, that's, it's really, one. I feel like yeah. it's really up my alley for yeah. like a oh, fun sheet. Definitely. Show that I'd definitely like. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, we almost have to do Shambleton first to then get to Ambos. Exactly. It's like a stepping, not a stepping stone in, in like a, a negative way that it's small, but it's like a, yeah. Yeah. And then just, you know, it's been great cause we've learned and, like what a great way to fucking, what a great stepping stone. We've had the time of our lives. You, you think you'll get into making features? Like, like it seems like a lot more risk, a lot more budget, a lot more time on yeah. one thing. If it works, great. If it doesn't, fuck. Well, actually TV series are more like now the, you know, a minimum budget for one episode is like 400 grand. So, you know, mi- that's minimum. That's, that's your low budget thing. So, you know. You look, one episode? One episode. One, one 30 minute episode. <laughs> what? So, you, I mean, that's rough figures for man. I'll film it for you on my phone and put it into AI if I can yeah. editing out. Don't worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'll just get, uh, yeah, I'll get my balls and edit them in, in there and, and make it all work. But no, the, um, <laughs> it's going to like things that things are going to change in, in the industry for good or for worse, hopefully for good. And I think it's going to create more opportunities, but we just keep doing our thing. And, and features are something we always wanted to do because, like, it's also hard now when you think about it. We're so used to watching TV series that we kind of want after two hours, we kind of feel like we didn't, we barely got to know the guy. 
I don't, I don't really know this girl. It's been two hours. Like, you know, because we're used to long form, you know, 10 one-hour episodes, one season. And you're like, I really like Cersei now. I see where she's going. And then you take it, you know. So I feel like now feature films are becoming harder and harder because the, the audience expectation is to know a lot more about the characters. And most of the time people like when I get feedback from people on films, they're like, yeah, I feel like I didn't really, you know, I didn't really get a lot of time. I really know what she's, you know. I was like, yeah, because you literally you had 90 pages. Yeah. So also you get people thinking Oppenheimer three hours. I can't sit through three yeah, hours. Exactly. I can't sit you can, if it's three, if it's three, one hours, you'll, it's, it's a completely that, different. And, and it'll auto play you straight in, but it's just for whatever reason, you'll people watch think three episodes on the, on the flop, bang, 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 straight mm-hmm. away. Yeah. So fuck man, I'm excited to watch everything you do. Where's the Thanks, best bro. place for um people to find whatever, whatever you're putting out was the best place. Shambleton on YouTube is, yeah. is where we're doing the show. Um, and where we kind of do a lot of our stuff from, like we've got a website as well, lecheproductions.com, um, which showcases our corporate staff, our documentaries, but also a, you've also got a page there, which shows some of our features and Ambos and you can kind of read a little bit more about it. So that's kind of where we've our landing page for stuff. I well. saw them like who put those, Whatever they explain a little things there, they yeah, fucking the look deck. sick. Yes, um, Simon, this amazing Man. Art- artist who lives I in Paris. I was like, holy shit, that's next level. He like, you know, when you when you ask someone to interpret visually what you want, and I was like, that's fucking amazing. I can't like this guy sees inside our brain. Like he's yeah. so good, and the images are just you know completely authentic, and he's created some, and yeah, and they're so evocative. Like they straight away, you're like, wow, I get it. Exactly, and that's exactly what it has. You know, you have to show someone an image and go, hey, this is what the business is going to look like. Hey, this is what this feature film is going to look like in one image, and you're like, I get it. Like that's mm, that's a fucking that's a next level skill. skill. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I gotta go, bro. I gotta yeah, watch bro. the last uh, episode of Shambleton, Shambleton before I go away. So yeah, anyway, thanks for coming. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having Cheers, me. Cheers, man. Appreciate Fucking it. Fucking sick. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them, and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>